Hey, I'm Mike Joseph, and thank you for listening to Detoxicity, a show by men, about men, but for everyone. I hope you enjoy the content of this podcast, and I want to let you know about a few things you can do to support us and our mission to challenge traditional notions of masculinity and create a more communicative, positive, and loving environment for all. You can subscribe to Detoxicity on any podcast platform that you use to listen. We are available just about everywhere. Also, don't hesitate to rate and comment as these help us move up in the podcast rankings. I'm on social media, or at least I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as Detox Pod Guy. Feel free to drop me a follow. Now I have a Patreon page, yay! And uh, Patreon gives you the opportunity to get cool merch and exclusive episodes of this podcast in exchange for subscribing. Go to patreon.com slash detoxicitypod to find out more. Uh, finally, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, whether you found an episode of the podcast particularly enjoyable or enlightening, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, or you'd like to offer constructive criticism, or if you yourself would like to be on the podcast, hit me up. Reach out to me at one of the aforementioned social media channels, or if you're old school like I am, drop me an email, detoxpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and take care. Hello, patrons. I thank you very much for supporting this podcast and my endeavor specifically. Uh, This is a labor of love. I didn't create this to get paid, but it is nice to have a little bit of money coming in to offset the costs of running this podcast. So once again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I've been releasing episodes for you folks a day early. Uh, Hopefully all of you folks who wanted stickers got stickers. If not, email me with your address and I will get you stickers. And here is our first Patreon-only episode. And I'm going to put a caveat in that. I'm probably only going to keep this on Patreon for Patreons only for about a month. But you will get another episode in just a couple of weeks that will be strictly for y'all. And I will continue that going forward. So uh, once again, thank you for your support. I am talking to someone who, if you've been listening to this podcast since the very beginning, uh, you already have spoken to or heard from, I guess would be the correct term. Uh, Bill Botkin is the editor-in-chief of PopBreak.com, ThePopBreak.com, and uh, he is a really good friend of mine, and the first time we connected for Detox, which is about two years ago, uh, we were obviously all in the middle of the first stages of the COVID pandemic. So we had a lot of stuff to talk about regarding that. Uh, he was also dealing with some health issues in his family, working out his own mental health issues, and still dealing with the death of his father a few years back. And uh, since then, Bill's gone through some more stuff and is still dealing with the stuff that we talked about the first time, and also taking big steps to improve himself and improve uh, uh the life of others around him and really just sort of do the self-care thing and do the um, self-esteem thing and see a therapist. And I'm not going to give everything away in the intro, but I am so, so proud of him. So without further ado, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and all others, uh, here is the incomparable Bill Bodkin. Hello. Greetings and salutations. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. I am the co-host of the Socially Distanced Podcast, which drops every Friday on your favorite streaming platforms. I am the Bill in the Bill versus the MCU podcast. I am the co-host of the TV Break podcast. I am also a seasonal DJ known as DJ Father Christmas. (laughs) If you book me during St. Patrick's Day, I'm DJ Patio Furniture. If you book me during the summer, I'm DJ SPF 2000. Why? 
because I'm the pale son of a bitch. I'm also a dad. I'm also a gray beard and a loving husband whose wife really puts up with him and a son and I'm beardy as fuck. So there's your introduction. How much whiskey is in that tea, Bill? I am almost four months off the sauce. Wow. Next Saturday will be four months. Congratulations. Thank you. See, I didn't know this. What led you to put down the bottle? Well, I mean, I wasn't going to ruin everything, brother. You got to keep some surprises and throw some curveballs every once in a while. I'm like that Garrett Cole slider that comes out of nowhere. I didn't cheat to get to it, though. And I'm a Yankees fan, what can I tell you? So, where does it all begin? Well, where doesn't it begin? It begins in the deepest, darkest recesses of my mind. Because I was depressed. March 23rd is a very important date for me because I had two massive breakdowns in 2021 and 2022. And what turns out happened was I was having a series of panic attacks starting around Thanksgiving of 2021. And they were infrequent. And then they got real frequent after March 23rd. March 23rd was a Wednesday. And I think that Saturday, I thought I was having a heart attack. And it turns out it was a panic attack. And then there was a lot more panic attacks. And then I got some Xanax from my doctor. I took one and it was groovy. I took the second one. It was about as ineffective as ineffective can get. And I finally talked to two doctors. One doctor said, hey, you've been doing therapy for a year and you just can't seem to get through this. And I said, yeah, I can't get through it. No matter what I do, I can't get through it. And you're like, well, you need to go on antidepressants. So I'm like, well, I mean, runs in the family, so what the fuck? Why not? And then I went to a gastroenterologist who was like, your stomach sucks. <laughs> and I had a massive case of gastritis. And both of these doctors told me you can't drink. And my response was, but I'm really good at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I also used that joke when I got an endoscopy. And they, get, they put me under, which is, they put a camera down your throat. I've had them. And so the nurse is like, oh, let me walk you out. I said, lady, I'm Irish as fuck. I have been more drunk and walked in a straight line than I am right now. So trust me, I don't need your help. I'm good. And she's like, we need more people like you here. Everyone's pretty much a bummer. And I said, I feel great right now. I do enjoy a good drink or seven. And some things I started noticing where everyone was just like, well, you can't go on a podcast without a drink or everyone likes to make the drink jokes with me. And I just was like, oh, man, this is really starting to get like part of my personality. And that's mm -hmm. probably not good. And then about a month or so ago, I'm like, well, I'm not going to drink because I'm not going to go on antidepressants and screw with that. Although most people I know who are on antidepressants still drink. But I was like two months in, so it was barely effective. Right. And then also I knew how my stomach felt, which if you ever have gastritis, you get really tight in your chest and you feel like maybe you're having a heart attack. And uh, so I was like, well, I don't need to screw with this. And I don't want my stomach to feel like this anymore. And then one day about a month ago, I think my therapist asked me, are you okay without drinking? And I was like, well, I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm fine without it. It's no big deal. And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, oh, well, here's the funny thing. I'm the greatest man who ever lived when I drink. If you're in a bad mood or you're not feeling good about yourself, I will make you feel like a million dollars. I'll tell you how great you are. I'll come up with a business plan for you. And I realized that I was so depressed and so full of anxiety that I needed alcohol because it was what let everything slide off my back. 
why do you drink before a podcast? Because my job was so bad and I didn't realize how depressed and anxious I was that I couldn't not be in that mind frame of depression, anxiety, and stress if I didn't have something to take it off. And I guess if alcohol is the thing, it's not good. So I was recording a podcast one night, laughing and joking the same way I would if I had three drinks in me. And I was like, oh, I just am the greatest man who ever lived without alcohol. So you're welcome, world. <laughs> no, I, but I'm having the same fun and I can have the same jokes and I, I want to experience things and I, I'm not judging myself constantly. And that's the only time with my good friend, John Jameson, the baptismal font water that I would imbibe in that I was able to do that that the negativity would stop, that I would able to sit down and relax and enjoy stuff. And now I don't have to deal with the hangover, which I didn't get too many of those, but I also don't have to deal with the stomach issues to save money. My skin's a lot better. I, I glow now. No, I, I need to moisturize over my foreheads, just like very stiff. But I'm just, it's really nice to not drink. I actually went to a bar on Saturday night and I stopped in the first time in this bar without, without taking a drink. And I'm like, yeah, this fucking sucks. I don't want to be here. This is just people who are looking to fight or fuck, and I'm not about this. And the worst part was I left two seconds later. There was a huge fight, and I would have loved to have seen it. And I love a good – so I was bummed about that, but I was just like, ah, that's all right. I don't need it. I look forward one day to having a beer. That'll be nice, but I don't need it. We're going to a Disney, and I am going to treat myself to a nice, cold, crisp harp in Epcot. And that is my reward to myself because – I don't need to get drunk. It just tastes delicious. <laughs> so sure. that'll be my one. But I don't need to get hammered. I haven't had that compulsion in f four months. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome because I... Yeah, uh, everyone drank in the pandemic. Yeah, so it's like have... we get a pass. <laughs> right. And it's not like I get fucked up before I go to bed every night. But I will have a drink. Yeah, I was a bit every night. Depending like two or three. Right. Because it started out, it would just be like weekends, or like Friday, Saturday. And then it was, well, I record on Thursdays, so I'll do it on Thursday. And then it was, well, Wednesday, I'm going to watch wrestling. So I'll, I'll have a drink during wrestling. Just one. And that's usually would be one or two, like podcasts, maybe three or four. Friday, Saturday, a little different. Maybe if, if, uh, Saturday, I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to be too bad on Sunday. So like right. Friday, maybe five or six. And alcoholism runs in my family. That's no joke. So, like I said, I don't ever feel like I was an alcoholic, but I know that I did not have a good relationship with it because I needed it to be myself. Sure. And I don't like that, to be honest. Realizing that, I'm like, that sucks. And I really needed it to get, like, medication help to get through right. that. And I didn't want to ever take it because I took it once before and it fucked me right up because they gave me the wrong stuff. Yeah, the issue with antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication is that a lot of times you have to go through multiple different medications before you find something that either A, works for you, or B, doesn't have gnarly side effects, or both. Well, I didn't go to a psychiatrist. That was my problem. My my general practitioner gave it to mm -hmm. me, and I tried getting off of them because I'm like, this isn't helping and they were like, no, 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 you have to keep on it. And the rumor and innuendo I got back from the doctor's office was that doctor was gone and they were getting money. That happened twice, by the way, to me. 
that you only uh, hear about that shit on the news. So that was the rumor, and then the next time it happened, I was taking cholesterol medication. I still do, but they gave me niacin pills, and I'm like, I don't understand why I need this. And he's like, You need to take it, and I felt like shit after taking it. And then I'd never forget. It's one of these really random coincidences. I went to my local pharmacy drive-through. This pharmacist, who I've never seen before and I have never seen since, was like, "Are you diabetic?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "Do you feel?" terrible after taking this and i said yeah i do he's like because it's spiking your blood sugar why would any doctor prescribe this to you and i said i don't know i thought doctors had my best interest in there at mine he's like don't take it i went back and they told me that doctor got fired for taking kickbacks wow. and that's why i didn't have a general doctor for years because i'm like fuck it i ain't doing nothing like that now i have one who's like this gnarly russian dude who's like murtaugh from lethal weapon he's like he's too old for this shit he's like bill i have kids and uh went to some my house in Westfield uh, and he's just like all right well listen I take good care of you don't worry about it you'll be fine and I'm just like this guy he sounds like Boris the Blade from Snatch I I, I, I like this guy he's oh, pretty cool. I came in having a panic attack and he's like he's like Bill don't worry we take good care of you we're gonna make sure you're fine and I'm just like wow that's the first doctor that hasn't been a dick to me like I asked one doctor do you ever think I can get off metformin or something like that they laughed at me in my face and that's why i was like fuck doctors man i'll, I'll figure it out that's and shitty. It, it, i always have an adventure story right <laughs> yeah, things always happen to you or around me but so i didn't want to take it and when i ended up in the hospital in 2021 because i all of a sudden was having a panic attack and my blood sugar shot up to an ungodly level and i was spasming and of course, a doctor in there said it was my own fault and I deserved it because I wasn't taking care of myself and I had a fever and my wife was there. And one thing you don't do with my wife, who's an attorney, is like, don't present facts that aren't facts because she will throw it right in your face. He's like, you have a fever. She's like, he has a 99. That's not a fucking fever. And he's like, no one can stay this stressed for a long time. She's like, I've been married to him for a decade. He can stay stressed for days. <laughs> and then... Another doctor came along. She's like, that guy's a dick. Don't listen to him. You're having a panic attack. And then I was getting my second COVID shot the next day mm -hmm. and they wouldn't let me leave. And I was like, why are you not letting me leave? They're like, the hospital psychiatrist wants to see you. And I said, I'm getting my COVID shot. So I'm going to leave. And they're like, no, you're not. And I said, get the main doctor in here right now. Because I had this psychiatrist assistant come in, ask me a whole bunch of questions, didn't even listen to what I was saying. And so the head doctor comes in. I'm like, is this dude going to slap down a prescription pad, not even talk to me and just dose me up? They're like, yeah. I said, fuck that. I'm out of here. You can't hold me, right? And then I I messaged you on my way there. And you're like, listen, dude, go back to therapy. And you, my wife, and three of my really other close friends were like, you need to get back in. Because I didn't let many people know what happened. And because sure. it's not something everyone needs. Then the weird thing was they tried to give me the flu shot and a pneumonia shot at the same time. I did that. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get a COVID shot. And they're like, well, you're a moron. And I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> the guy said, you're stupid and it's your body. So I can't force you to, but good luck. And I was just like, okay, luckily I found all these really good doctors who did me right. But I didn't want to go on those antidepressants and pills because at the time I had so many issues that I hadn't dealt with that it would have been a negative experience for me because I know I seemed like all confident and happy and shit, but I had really intense self-hatred issues. No one can really insult me because I have said worse to myself and meant it.
And I would have just chalked it up to another piece of failure, failed again. Now you're on pills, just like everyone else. And had I not done the work of therapy and really worked through issues of why I felt that way, I don't think I ever would have been positive and accepted things and done the work to help myself and accept taking the medication and allow the medication to actually work and get me to where I am right now. Because I think if I had talked about this with you a year ago, I probably would have had a panic attack afterwards or I would have wow. felt awful even three months ago. Probably I used to talk about it and I would be a wreck three hours later. Yeah. Do you feel a certain way about yourself because you need help or were you trying to resist help for a long time just because you felt maybe that you weren't so fucked up or to rely on therapy or medication, it indicated that you couldn't handle your shit, basically? Was that so something went, that was in your head? So therapy was a thing I had gotten out of it because right. I couldn't really get in touch with my therapist at the time. And it was COVID, so everything was the Wild West. Mm -hmm. So I would talk to a buddy of mine who's a licensed therapist like every few months because I had gone to therapy in 2019 and I had a lot of breakthroughs. And it was awesome. And then 2020 started, my mom had cancer and COVID. And then I realized stuff was getting to me. So I talked to my buddy and also named Mike, not you, but a licensed therapist, great guy. And I would do it every few months. And I thought that was helping. I really did. I thought I was good. And then I didn't realize how much was underneath that I actually needed to address. So it wasn't a hesitation to do it. I thought I was okay. And I would just have flare-ups, and that was just a thing. I thought, hey, this is just a thing everyone goes through. And then I realized my flare-ups are way more fucked up than anyone else's flare-ups. So I started, and I, I pretty much have gone every week, or I've done it over the phone every week since March of 2021. And I, oof, man, those first six months was a lot of tears and a lot of writing and a lot of hard work and a lot of going through it. And... If I didn't go through that, I would never be where I am now. Because a lot of it was tied to my dad's passing, especially since that year it was 10 years. And I always thought that I had let my dad down in a lot of ways. My dad sacrificed a lot for me. He ate a lot of shit in his career just to help me out. Especially they paid for my college when college was cheap. <laughs> I took a full course load, busted my ass, and my parents paid for school for me. And my dad was like, you're going to be a journalist. You ain't going to make shit <laughs> coming out of school. So you should not be <laughs> taking student loans. Wise man. So I felt like where I was in fucking customer service and working a shit box job and all this other stuff. And, you know, I was just like, you're just a failure. You've let everyone down. And I was thinking as a husband, I was letting my wife down. As a father, I was so letting my daughter down. And I was super hyper-analyzing everything I was doing. Sure. And I wasn't a good friend because I would stop talking to people. Or I didn't know what to say because it was just like, how you doing? I'm fucking depressed. <laughs> it's the same story you've heard for 10 years. That's boring. So that was all that stuff I had to dig out first before I could get to the bottom. I had to shave off a lot of that top stuff before I could detonate all the stuff at the bottom, which is what I'm doing now. And I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't go through therapy to do it because I wouldn't have been able to discover a lot of that stuff that actually was bothering me. And some of the stuff I was realizing, you've put this on yourself and you don't need to feel this way. I didn't feel like 
I put that stuff on myself about my dad. He just wanted me to just be a good dude, help people out. That's all you need to do. You can't save your family. I can't be him because I'm way shorter <laughs> yeah, and I've got way more hair. But it was also like we're two different people. You're never going to be able to replicate what your parent or whatever the person is yeah. that you look up to. You're never going to be able to do what they did. Question. Sure. What constitutes success for you? You said you felt like a failure. To flip that question over a little bit, what would make you feel like a success? I think a year ago, I would have had a different answer for you. But my dad sacrificed so much for me to go to college, to become a journalist. And here I was not doing that. It's fucking uh, website. Uh, no, 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 we'll get there in a minute. I didn't see it that way. I saw it as, yeah, but I'm not making any money with it. I'm not, like my dad helped me to get this degree. And here I was not even using it to get paid for that. I was working these jobs that treated me like shit that I hated every day because I needed to get a paycheck. He didn't want that for me. He literally told me that. So I was like, I've let him down. But I'm like, no, fuck that. I was like, no, I am doing my job to support my family and I am eating shit, but a lot of other people do. So I look back at what I've done. I'm 40 now. So I've looked back over the last 20 years of my career and I'm like, mm, you actually did a lot. And if I put my brain to it, I'm sure I could do a lot more. And there are still opportunities there. I've had a pretty good run. And journalism has a short shelf life. It certainly know, does. Because it beats you up mentally, physically, and financially. Well, but it, I also, it, people our age, journalism was, hey, you work for a newspaper, you work for a magazine or something like and then, that. And yeah. then the internet came and democratized all of that. So you can be any, yeah, any I was, motherfucker with a blog. <laughs> yeah, I think I looked at it like that. But okay, I've helped people in their careers. I've helped people in other ways. And when I was told when I was 32 that I was too old for the game by some asshole who went out of business much later in life and who was a complete mockery, that hurt because I'm just like, dude, I'm not that old. Don't let the gray fool you. And they're like, well, you can't relate to college kids. I'm like, that's all who writes for me, dude. And it doesn't matter if I can't relate to them. I'm sorry. I don't know all the latest bops and bangers on there. I'm sorry. I don't have a fucking TikTok account, but I know how to talk to people and just because I don't know the latest slang, I'm not going to treat them like an asshole, like most like you will. Right. And so that hurt me for a long time. And now I realize I'm just a grizzled old vet. I can still do it. And I, I can work circles around you. I could never say that before. And I believe it. So I guess success is just happiness. Can I pay my bills? Yeah. Do I hate my job? Oh, yeah, I do. But do I have an outlet where I can podcast, where I can write, where I have some creativity? Yes. Do I have a wealth of friends? Yes. Do I have an amazing kid who now, because my head's not all fucked up, I can actually enjoy being a dad and I can accept the fact that my kid actually loves me, which is something that took was really hard for me to accept because I'm like, I don't get why this kid likes me. I don't get why she's always wants to be around me. And when you're so fucking depressed and you don't realize it's so dug it. in, you can't see the forest from the trees. I'm not saying, oh, I'm a fucking awesome dad. Cause that's just not me. I just want to be a dad. Listen, we wore matching Thor shirts to go see Thor love and thunder this weekend. And maybe a year ago, six months ago, I would have been like, oh, this, I don't know why she wants to do that. This is weird. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go, man. And she's head banging to like guns and roses in the theater. I'm just like, yeah, damn right. That's my kid. But I'm able to fully feel things again. And I can literally feel like someone had just turned two knobs in my back. So much of that hate and so much of that anger and so much of that sadness is not there anymore. And I'm able to now realize that it's not about the money. It's not about 
having to be a journalist that has to be on a red carpet or has to have a million YouTube views in order to live up to something you believe that your dad sacrificed for you 20 years ago and you're letting his ghost down. Uh, the, the only thing I would let that ghost down was if I started rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> no, and that ghost wouldn't be uh, disappointed. That ghost would murder me. <laughs> Can you be disowned from beyond the grave? Yes, it's an Irish thing. Being able to do things to help people and do other stuff, that's success. And it's being happy and being able to embrace shit again. And listen, I might not be in the Hall of Fame of fucking anything, but who cares? All you got to be is in the Hall of Fame of being Bill Botkin. Well, uh, there's other two guys before me named Bill Botkin, so I got some stiff competition. We're not creative with names. If I had a son, it would have been William Botkin. <laughs> so thank God right. we got a selfie. Jeez, oh, uh, Is this a white people thing? It's a white people thing. Get names out there. Yeah, we used them in Ireland. When we came here, we're like, ah, shit. What do we do? Ah, it's called one Bill. All right. What's the next what? one? Mike? <laughs> uh, Patrick? Throw out a Seamus or a Grady oh. or a... Uh, Yikes. This podcast is all over the place. You're welcome. Do you think if your dad was still alive that you would feel as pressured to live up to the standards that you think he set for you? No. 100% no. 100% no. He would be way mad about my political beliefs. <laughs> so that's where I, that's where my disappointment would come in. That started towards the end, too. So other than that, no, I don't think he would. I think he'd also not give a shit what I was doing because he'd finally have a grandkid. And that's the part that was sad because his anniversary was last week of July. So this is the first time when he had an anniversary with passing where I was like, I was sad because I'm like, wow, he could really be here for all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Like my kid and him would have been best friends. The Yankees are killing it right now. The Giants sucks. I have a house I, and I'm, I'm pretty good on the grill. So there's good stuff we would have shared instead of thinking about why well, I miss him so much and everything sucks and I've let him down. That's the first time in a long time I've been like, I miss him because all these positive things we could be experiencing together and that'd be awesome. Right. So he would be like, you're doing your thing as a dad. You got to eat shit in your job. Welcome to the family. And that sounds like a pretty typical thing that Americans go through. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know too many non-Americans. Tell you if people outside <laughs> of this country hate their job in general as much as Americans do. And well, I like to pretend not... that I hate my job, but I don't hate it. I dislike it sometimes. No, I I hate it. You have reason to hate your job. Oh, yeah. I know people who live outside the country because I'm a man of culture. Also, my wife married a guy from Britain. So my wife's friend married a guy from Britain. Let me... Yeah, I was like, is your wife one of the reverse no. sister wives or something like that? And is American like... Bill and British Bill? No, my friend Dave is the quite opposite of me. But he's lived most of his life over there and he's living there now. And he finds joy in his job. But also, unlike this wonderful country of ours, our jobs want to make themselves our lives. And over there, it feels like it's just a job. Right. Unless you own the company, but that's a different story right. anyway. But right. yeah, it's not a career, it's a job. And that's what I hate about here is like, man, I break my ass. I've been in my job for six years. I still have the same amount of time off. I have 10 days off. That's personal sick and vacation. Yeah. And they're like, we don't count it. I'm like, you fucking count it every time. Literally every time I go to take time off, it's like, oh man, you really got to take that time. We really kind of need you. And I'm just like, pay me six figures. Maybe I'll reconsider.
That is goddamn ridiculous. Oh. This is a count my blessings moment because times like this, I hear this and I realize how much of this country work jobs with either shitty wages or shitty benefits. And that's probably the norm, the standard more than it is the exception. I'm lucky I'm on my wife's benefits. And also, like you just said, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations expect their employees to treat their jobs or their careers like the number one priority in their life when it should never be unless you are like you said the ceo of a company and in a lot of jobs i've had when you do something good it's well that's what we pay it for pal but when you do something bad they hold it against you for life right yeah remember that job i had in new york and i hung out with you yeah they called me up while i was at dinner with you and I had been there five days and they were threatening to fire me because I wasn't producing. The boss had told me earlier that day, you've got 90 days to get your feet under you. It was three full days. <laughs> and they're like, you are fucking up. You're not bringing us money. We hired you to be a killer. They fired me a month later. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? I got 10 verbal commitments for you guys. And I said, let me guess. Was it the first three days that really chapped your ass? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, you're a fucking moron. I said, you told me I had three months and you stacked the deck against me so hard. And then you fire me. I said, by the way, I'm not giving you any of these verbal commitments. I had a button up shirt on and I took it off. And this other guy jumps in the room. He's like, what's going on? I said, what do you think I'm going to do? Taking off my shirt to fight this guy? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, you're a fucking moron. And I said, fuck both of you. I'm out of here. I said, oh, by the way, I just bought a $400 train pass for a month. I expect to check in the mail. You're here from my attorney, which is total horseshit because I would just have my wife write a letter. <laughs> but they paid me. But that's the type of places I've worked. And that's the type of cultures I've worked in. And that's how they are. Do you talk to your therapist about this? What do they say? You work for some really terrible people. That was a big thing, man. I had to unlearn that was part of the self-hatred part because when you get told every day that you suck, that you're not worthy, that you're not working hard enough, that you suck, that you're not putting your heart into a job. I got one time told by a boss that I wasn't spending enough time at the job. And I told him, well, I don't take lunches. I get in at seven o'clock. I work till six. And then he's like, well, what time do you get home? I said, seven. He's like, well, what time do you go to sleep? I said, I don't know. One o'clock in the morning. He's like, well, work from seven to one. And I said, dude, I have a daughter. I have a wife. He's like, how long have you been married for? I said, I I think five years at the time. He's like, she's not going anywhere. You don't need to fucking talk. What is there to talk about? I said, she's one of my best friends. I like talking with her. And he's like, how old's your kid? I said, my kid's almost a year. He's like, she's not going to remember this shit. And I'm just like, this guy is five feet two. I can throw him through that window. And then I'm just like, he's going to sue you. And then I'm just like telling me that my family is not as important as a job. that, That makes me mad. That's what the career part of it did to my soul. It made me feel worthless. It made me feel that I I was terrible. Like, it sucks, dude. Writing was my thing. And then people were telling me, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Make some real money. Stop chasing this stupid dream. You hear that every day for five years? You fucking believe it. And to add to the depression and the stuff I was putting on self with my dad, I hated myself, dude. To the point where there was one point where I was like, I should just walk away from everything 
get in my car. Everyone will be better if I'm gone. And not saying just off of myself, but saying like, I'll drive away. My wife will find someone better. She'll find a better person for her, for my daughter. My mom, she'll be fine without me. None of my friends will miss me because I'm just a fucking anchor. So I'll just drive out to some beach somewhere. Fuck my health. And whatever. I'll just die as a drunk on the beach. Whatever, dude. They'll be fine without me. That was right before I went to therapy. And I told my wife that. And she's like, I need you to go to therapy. She's like, you need to be around. That's as low as I got. But that's what depression and terrible work environments will do to you. It'll make you feel like the worst person that ever lived. And I felt like I did not deserve to live straight up. I I understand that. Yeah. I look at that point now and I said, I guess I needed to be there to realize, okay, that's, that's the bottom. So do you feel like you hit the bottom just that one time? I never got to that point again. The self-hatred, man, was bad. And then that morphed into fear of death. The constant fear of death, just because the last two years have been a fucking nightmare for everyone. Yeah. Not to insert myself into this, but I felt similarly. You You got it? Similar health problems. And a lot of people that I was friends with, but had not been close with in the past few years, passed away from COVID in between... March 2020 and now probably know like four or five people who died and they weren't all old. I don't think any of them was more than 15 years older than me. I didn't lose that many people, but I had a lot of friends who did. And I know people who have survivor's remorse real bad. Right. And it's tough, but when it's constantly around you and you also work in an environment where people don't fucking care. And while the guy's like my brother, he got it real bad. And that really fucked me up because I was like, oh, Christ. And it fucked our close circle of high school friends because we're like, he's the fucking tank of us. He's like the strong one. And we're going to lose him. Holy shit. That's not good. You know, he's the godfather. My daughter is my best man. I'm the godfather of his daughter. And I'm just like, oh, my God. He told me, he's like, well, why the fuck didn't you call me? And I was like, because I was really scared that I was going to lose you. And I didn't want to put that on you. I didn't want to go there. He's gone through hell with it. But that's the thing, the fear of fucking people who are going to die. That really fucks your head. And then I had to deal with a mom who had cancer and couldn't get out. And then I was kind of micromanaging my life to even see her in a way where I didn't want to be social. So we couldn't pass it on to her. And the thing that's even worse is she's missed two years of being a grandma. And I don't have brothers and sisters. So all that fucking beat the piss out of me. That's a huge weight. It's a series of huge weights, and you combine them, it feels insurmountable. Well, alcohol helped. (laughs) Then it didn't, and that's what I learned. Yeah, and Christ, there was one night I drank a whole bottle of vodka because my mom called me up and said, I'm going to the emergency room. This is June of COVID, 2020. This is season one. And she's like, I'm going to the hospital because I have infection. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, God, I might not have a parent anymore. I could not calm down. I drank a whole bottle of Tito's. Called my buddy at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, dude, I'm so fucked up and I am still anxious, having anxiety right now. And he talked me down, but the hangover next day was woof. I <laughs> don't even want to think about that. As it was like an anvil in my fucking body. But we were all trying to figure out a way 
even my endocrinologist is like, listen, you're, you're, if your numbers are high, I get it because it was the pandemic. But that was the other problem with the anxiety was I lost 15 pounds. And they're like, your numbers are terrible. He's yeah. like, how stressed are you all the time? I'm like, all the time. I'm at a 15 every day. He's like, you could eat perfectly and it ain't going to help. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so, of course, I said, oh, so you're saying I could eat donuts. I'll be fine. And he's just like, Bill, why do you always go there? I said, because I can't face reality right now. It was awful. But yeah. that is why people drink. That's why people do fentanyl. That's why people go and fuck everything that moves. That's why people go to church on Sundays religiously and cast judgment on everybody else because there not is... all of us do. Right. I'm, not, I'm saying that's what people... Some oh, people trust do. Me. Oh, trust but, me. Having been a Catholic for 40 years, I know all about that guilt and judgment. Right. I used to be so judgmental towards people who are addicted to drugs because I'm like, ah, you can get off drugs. But people are just looking for a way to get by. You never know. Yeah. You never know, um, man. For some people, there is never – this journey is over. It's I never for me, story. Like for me, I feel like I'm going to be not in therapy forever, but – there's always going to be parts of me that I'm still uncovering. There's still going to be more that I'm going to learn. Oh, you do like nude beaches, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want you to cry on this podcast. You, I, I have published 110 episodes and I have not cried yet. Uh, you, do you feel like you've reached a stopping point or a point where you've hit the summit of the mountain? I hope not because I've been on medication for three or four months now. I've seen what happens when people come off. My dad was medicated for 30 years, if not longer. And I've seen him get off and I had to see him get right back on. The one thing I'm not doing, like I normally would do is worry about the future. I'm loving it now. It's really good. I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to keep going to therapy because every week is something. I was going to make that every day as a winding road joke, but oh. too much pop culture, Bill. I mean, shitty pop culture. Between your pop culture <laughs> knowledge and your dadness, they're converging and you're turning into this like pop yeah, culture I mean, dad joke monolith. I mean, that's literally my podcast, but nothing surpasses my knowledge of pro wrestling, which we've talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I think talking about it would be really important because I go back to my dad. My dad was a very inspirational person for me in so many ways. He was an alcoholic and he quit. He was a smoker. Real bad. He quit. Unfortunately, that's what killed him in the end. But he also had a lot of mental health issues. And he never had the opportunity to talk a lot of stuff out. He did have some opportunities, but it wasn't enough. And I don't know if I can get enough therapy because it's been so good for me. There's been some times where I've taken like two or three weeks off because sometimes it's just I'm burnt out. And I need a minute to recharge. But other times it's like there's nothing going on. I'm okay this week. Next week, let's revisit. Hopefully my therapist never retires because she's great. <laughs> she's older than me, but I don't know if she's older than you, though. See, it took me that long Bill? to an age joke, my friend. So William. No, no one calls me that. And also, I don't know what's going to happen when I come off the pills because they are going to eventually wean me off them. So I'm open to be like, okay, hey, maybe I need to be on these for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And if this is how I'm going to feel for the rest of my life, that ain't a bad thing. But I also would like to not be on them. I would like to be less pill dependent. But sometimes there's a chemical imbalance and you need to rebalance things. And I'm like, okay. And I also realize that there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days. Yeah. And I'm using tools. I'm not just letting the pills do the talking. It's like, okay, here's the stuff I learned in therapy. I'm just going to apply this now. But I don't have the burden on me of the depression. I can actually now put them into play 
and, and do it. And I went on a short vacation with my in-laws. There was about 15 times I, I noted of, I could have, pre-pills, I would have been losing my shit. I would have been either stressed or anxious or angry, but I'm not. I'm all right because I'm realizing, okay, put this in a larger scale. Is this important? Is this something I need to worry about? Thinking out different ways, it's changed my life and I'd like it to stay this way. So we'll see if I can get off of it and do it. And if I come off of it and I'm good, there still might be a lot of heavy lifting with therapy because there's going to be new things. I'm a dad of a now seven-year-old girl. She'll be a teenager before I know it. That'll suck because she's a really awesome kid. But like, like, Daddy, I hate you. Man, I hope she doesn't sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) But there might be a time where it comes to that. And I'm going to need that help because I want to be able to be the best person I can. And there's going to be stuff that's going to happen. So I'm going to stick with it because I've seen what happens when I don't. And I've recommended it more and more to people. Just be like, listen, this changed my life. And our last podcast are people who told me they listened to it and like, wow, that really changed my perspective because people know me a certain way as a living cartoon. And they'll be like, oh, wait, no, he has feelings. They'll see it and be like, oh, that guy is also going through it. And I think that's why it's so important now that we see people of celebrity and people of importance talking about it, especially dudes. Yeah. Uh, The one thing that annoys me about depression is that people think about mental illness or depression and they think Kurt Cobain or I don't know who'd be like a modern version of that, but somebody who's mopey and sad all the time, but people, tons of hundreds, thousands of people live. I don't want to say full lives, but they're certainly not giving you the level of, depression that they may be feeling. I I personally am very good at bullshitting you into believing that I'm not depressed when I am. I'm depressed all the fucking time. Uh, Yeah, I was really good at it too. Although I have a face that gives stuff away only to my wife. I'll relate it to you this way. So I'll bring wrestling into it for a second. There's two guys, super tough guys who came out. One guy's name is Eddie Kingston. Another guy is Dave Harwood. They came out and they talked about their depression and their issues with anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. And then other people within, it's this company called All Elite Wrestling. They're on TNT and TBS. And then more people within that company started opening up about it. And then fans were like, we're going to open up about it. And those two dudes are the biggest guys in that company because they're so relatable. And they keep banging the drum of get your mental health in check, do this. And it's inspiring more people. And now they're superstars because people are like, you're me. And that's what it's people want. super and, and, relatable. And we shit on celebrities and musicians because when they give their political ideals, we want everyone to be role models and stuff. But when people open up about this stuff with mental health, the fact more and more people are doing it is so important. And especially for guys, because so, oh, I can't gotta show be it. Gotta be stoic. Gotta be a ballsy son of a bitch. You'll hear assholes talk about like, well, back in the day, what's well, because every pharmacy was bar, dude. One was drunk because they all went to war and they didn't deal with their shit. And we have this idealized version that nothing bothered them, but they probably did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not even yeah. probably. You no, I know. That. There's a lot of shit that people went through and we never dealt with it. And how many people have died because we didn't want to talk about it? We, we had to be tough. Between, and amongst other issues. Right. Between suicides, actual suicides, yeah. drug-induced right, attempts, 
overdoses, long-term liver failure from drinking, overeating, so heart attacks, all that stuff. Like mental illness comes out in many different ways. And we're only now at a stage where people are beginning to normalize discussion about it and therapy. But back in our parents' day or our grandparents' day, there was no precedent for it to be talked about. There was no precedent for it to be discussed in the workplace or at the family table or whatever. But all of these, if you are in a war, you have PTSD. There's no two ways about that. And think of how many veterans go through shit on a constant basis, because as someone who has seen someone die, that shit will stay with you forever. That was a big problem with my dad. I watched them die. That was another thing that fucked me up was I had to make a lot of promises that I would take care of the family and everything. Then once I did that, he was able to pass, but he was on pills in the nineties. This is the nineties. We had to hide that because he was an older guy, no college degree working in the computer industry. That was another reason for someone to fire him. Which in the 90s, it's entirely possible that that might have been the case. Yeah. It was a joke. Oh, you're on Prozac. Oh, you're on Xanax. You're crazy. Or rich people do it because they're bored. But I think now we're really getting past that. We're starting to get past it. The door is open a little bit more than it was a year ago. And every year, it feels like it opens like a little bit more. But we still have a tremendous amount of work to do. I think COVID changed a lot of that too because we all went through a collective trauma and i think everyone needs to talk to somebody even if it's their friends to be like man yeah. yeah i went to a show with a buddy we were talking about this and probably three years ago we wouldn't have talked about that but yeah you got to talk about it this is why i wanted to come back on because i'm like i got some stories for you pal i also needed to get it off my chest because i'm happy for once i've had moments of happiness but just consistent like i'm all right being bill bodkin brother uh- Anytime you think you feel like you're a failure, remember that your wife doesn't think you're a failure. Your mom doesn't think you're a failure. Your daughter doesn't think you're a failure. The people that you work with on the site don't think you're a failure. The people that are that care about you don't think you're a failure. You can't let that voice. It, from when I started going back to therapy, that voice really died. A horrible death for that voice, which was nice for me. A lot of it was you're letting other people dominate your mind and your life and those people suck anyway so why are you giving them agency over you like that and then when my therapist put it that way i was like oh fuck those guys (laughs) and especially also dealing with the stuff my dad was really just opened a lot up for me i kind of placed that there and it's really not a real thing the failure part isn't there like there was a job i really wanted to get and i didn't get it and I realized that I'm, it has nothing to do with you, man. It's just the way shit goes. You're good enough to get that job. And even six months ago, or a year ago, I wouldn't have said that. And now I'm just like, all right, you're fine. You'll be fine. It's all right, dude. Just move on to the next thing. There's more important things to worry about. Or not even worry about, just to enjoy. Learn how to cook a cheesesteak on your griddle, man. Let's do that <laughs> shit. I don't feel like the failure isn't there anymore, which feels nice. And like I said, it feels nice not to be on edge and angry and micromanaging yourself or hyper analyzing yourself. Right. It feels nice where I'm just like, there's movies I wanted to watch or TV shows. Take that lightning in a bottle and keep it with you as much as you possibly can. That's what I've been really trying to do. And like I said, it's taken a lot and I've had to readjust a lot in my life and I'm okay with readjusting a lot of that stuff. It's a fist fight a lot of the times, but 
the fist fight, it was last year. Things are much better. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night with cold sweats and my limbs are doing this weird thing and I got to walk around like a creeper at four o'clock in the morning in my neighborhood. I feel a ton better. Definitely embracing it. Good for you. I got dad stuff I got to do. 24 hours in a day. I don't understand how you are able to do the amount of stuff that you do, have a kid and have a job because I have a full-time job and I do this and the radio show and trivia and this shit is exhausting i don't know i just find a way sometimes you just gotta power through it also i've run a website for 13 years now i have really good editors and right. summer's a little light on the content so i'm all right i'm doing okay i'm always here to help the cause thank you for doing this with me because now i feel like oh pretty rad bill i i i had no idea haven't didn't i see you less than three months ago yeah, I was not doing great. My stomach was really bad. I wasn't having the panic attacks as much, but my stomach wasn't really bad. But the panic attacks weren't there. They really ramped up around that one year anniversary of the first panic attack because that's always a thing. Hey, here's a bad thing that happened. Instead of saying, hey, look how much got better. You live it. Right. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of really great times. I feel like my chest is exploding. I'm crying on my front lawn, throwing up, telling myself I'm not going to die. That's a great fucking story. But that's how bad it got. They got real bad. It was really scary. But now I know what was happening. And so that's why I'm glad I'm getting better. Well, whatever I can do to continue to facilitate that getting better, I am more than happy to do. Here's where I put Mike over. Mike is one of the cornerstones of this recovery. It's my wife, Mike, and a couple of my buddies and... They were constantly in my corner when I didn't feel like I deserved it. And also, you were very much like, get off your ass and do it. You were the one who was always like, I'm going to kick your ass till you keep doing it. And that's what I needed to hear. So if it wasn't for Mike being a huge part of that, I would probably not be on this podcast. Because I would have so. found you and I would have kicked your ass. I mean, your limbs are mad scrawny now, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure I can run faster than you. So it's like hit you once and then take off. That's another thing. When you have a support system. There's a lot to be said for having a great support system. You can't get through it unless people, you got your back. And yeah. the other thing is you have to, and I've said this on my other podcasts during Mental Health Awareness Month is it's okay to ask or say something because your friends really do care. They really do. Actually, you'll be surprised who does care. And it's so painful. It's so hard. But once you do, man, or lady, or non-binary human listening to this, it really makes a world of difference. Fear is so fucking prevalent. I feel like the one reason people don't get help for whatever it is, is fear. Yeah. They're afraid to lose family members or friends or whatever. But if people really love you, they love you unconditionally. Right? For sure. Whether you're depressed or anxious or you have some other illness or disease or whether you're in recovery or whether you're fucking gay, it doesn't matter. Doesn't. People really love you. A, they should love you for who exactly who you are. So you should show your truest self to them. And the, uh, the congregation can now sit down. <laughs> so before I thank Bill for appearing on this podcast a second time, I want to share that having this conversation was an inspiration to me in several ways. Um, 
some of you know that I contracted COVID-19 at the beginning of July. And since then, and it's been almost two months, uh, I have severely curtailed my alcohol intake where I am probably only drinking now once a week, where this was a habit that probably started during COVID. I would have usually one or two drinks a night just to kind of calm down and fall asleep. And I'm at the point now where I don't even have, I'm I'm a whiskey drinker. I don't even have a bottle of whiskey in my apartment. So Bill was, uh, just by talking about his sobriety, was a really important step for me to realize that not that I thought I had a dependency or an addiction, but that I was maybe relying a little bit more on alcohol than I needed to, and I needed to step back a little bit. I'm not sober. I am not going to say that I'm never going to get drunk again, but I think the frequency I was with which I was drinking and the reasons that I was drinking uh, needed to change a little bit. So thank you, Bill for being a great friend and a great inspiration. And thank you, of course, for taking the time to appear on this podcast in the middle of the 78,000 other podcasts that you do and the website that you run, which is thepopbreak.com. Make sure you check that out. And follow Bill on social media. He is on Twitter at BodkinWrites. That is B-O-D-K-I-N-W-R-I-T-E-S. And he is on Instagram at BullBoskin. That is B-U-L-L-B-O-S. K-I-N, and I can only assume that someone mistakenly pronounced his name that way, and uh, for that, I sincerely apologize. Anyway, Bill, thank you for being on the show. I love you, and uh, let's do this a third time. Thank you for listening to Detoxicity. I hope you found this particular episode interesting, and if you are new, I hope you go back and listen to all of the older episodes. Uh, Once again, my name is Mike Joseph. I am the host and producer of this show, and uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to continue to support our mission, continue to support this podcast. Uh, Follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and I'm on TikTok as DetoxPodGuy. Uh, You can also send me an email if you'd like. I'm at detoxpod at gmail.com. I am always on the hunt for people with interesting, inspirational, and powerful stories. So if you know somebody who fits that bill or if you yourself fit that bill, please don't hesitate to drop me a line via email or via social media. Uh, Please make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform that you're listening to this on. Uh, Rate, comment, help a brother out, uh, help us move up in the rankings. Uh, Follow me on social media. Like I said, uh, follow our Patreon or subscribe to my Patreon, actually, patreon.com slash detoxicity pod you get access to exclusive episodes you get episodes a little earlier than the general public you get a cool ass sticker lots of stuff once again patreon.com slash detoxicity pod quick shout out to calvin williams for providing the music and uh doing his magic on the logo which was originally designed by jacob block i thank you all for listening i wish you all the best please take care of each other till next time peace